After four straight episodes featuring a guest, this week it's just the boys. Amon, how have you been? The Tar Heels are currently ranked number nine in college basketball. You must be pretty happy about that. Nate, it's good to be back. You know, it's it feels like a skeleton crew with uh, no guest on, but um, you know, felt good to see UNC basketball start winning. We had a real down year last season. Uh, did, you know, didn't make the tournament. Uh, had an NIT bid that we declined, rightfully so. Uh, and so to see us beat Tennessee, Florida State, getting off to a good start. So happy with what the team's doing, right? Yeah, you got UConn next at the Jimmy V Classic. Tomorrow, that's Jimmy V, who was the NC State uh, coach for all those years of a rival at UNC. But that's always a, a tournament that, um, that you know, everybody looks forward to every year. And, and that's, a, that's a good team. They've got, they're ranked a little bit higher than, than UNC right now. That's going to be a really big test for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, UNC's thing is that we Harrison Ingram, the transfer, has been playing really well uh, on the three-point line, and we've been hitting the threes that we weren't making last season uh, with R.J. Davis. He had 27 points the other night, and again, Harrison Ingram's really big. I think Seth Tremble on the bench has been a real source of energy for the team uh, defensively, and has led to a lot of transition points. So I think if UNC can keep winning in transition, uh, we'll, be, we'll be just fine creating turnovers. I think problems for UNC start when... Uh, we aren't able to really create pressure defensively. Our offense kind of struggles and gets a little bit stagnant. So, again, we're going to see how the tempo affects Chapel Hill uh, when you take on UConn. Yeah, and this is the ACC. This is basketball conference right here. We just saw we just saw this season a team in the ACC go undefeated in, in, in football and not even make it to the playoffs. That just goes to show how low the ACC is in football, but you're going to make up for it in basketball. I know we are. And to be fair, I do think the committee got right. You know, a hot take on that maybe, but Florida State, injured quarterback, I think they have, probably have a better shot to win the national championship. Now, Florida State with Jordan Travis, different story. But without Jordan Travis, I can see where the committee's coming from. I just don't like Florida State. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we can celebrate that a little bit. Um, Dane Pete, watch. Our boy Dane Pete took the Man of the Match award in, in the second test against Wendy's A taking 11 wickets in the match, five in the first inning, six in the second innings. Dane is showing everyone his class once again, and he's having some fun afterwards. We saw a few pictures he sent to us, uh, them, them having a little bit of an after party after the, the, the series. Man, this is, to me, this is one of the things I love about cricket is to, you know, go out afterwards, have some fun with your buddies. No, it was good to see Dane uh, doing what Dane does best. I mean, bowling uh, and bowling at a really high level. I saw him bowling to a couple lefties and setting them up with balls, leaving them. And as soon as they start poking away, leaving a little gap between Van Pad would sneak that one coming right back in. And it's a thing of beauty the way he's able to bowl. And he seems to really be getting to test cricket faster than I think a lot of people expected him to. And I would, wouldn't be surprised in a few months if when we see South Africa squads get released, he has a name on that squad. Yeah, I think we're going to see that. Plus, he's got that carom ball that, he, that he's been uh, throwing out there. He said it took him three years to develop that, I think a, a year longer than it took Ashwin. So, you know, only, you know, what's that mean? He's 50% worse than Ashwin? That's still pretty good. <laughs> I think Dane might resent the fact that he said he's 50% worse than Ashwin there. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, look, Dane, Dane's got all the balls. Uh, he's got all the tricks in the book. And, uh, you know, he can, he can he's a handy little bat as well. So, again, uh, there's a reason he went back, felt confident in his skills. You know what? He's proven everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just had to. Had to sledge him a little bit there just in case he listens to this. But, yeah, so let's move on to our topics for for today, uh, starting off with the San Francisco Unicorns. Their American domestics are playing down at the MCG with the Stars and the Renegades of the BBL, uh, prepping them for the BBL season and prepping our players for that level of talent, uh, helping to keep them sharp. 
So this is a great opportunity for our guys here, um, especially the, obviously the players on the on the unicorns. And it's exactly the kind of thing that we want to see with our major league teams and their high performance partners. So it's nice to see the uh, Victoria, Cricket Victoria, put their hand up and, and do something like this. We, we've been anticipating things like this from, from the major leaguers, little perks that the players can utilize to, to improve their skills and, and benefit from this partnership. No, I think this is really important. Um, we mentioned Major League Cricket. It's not just for the month that it's played in the USA and the opportunity to make money and be on the bright lights. It's also an opportunity to play cricket at a higher level, not just during the tournament, but all year round. And when you have these overseas partners, Cricket Victoria, um, you know, the IPL franchises, New South Wales, you have all of these franchises coming here. It's an opportunity for all these players to play cricket uh, in different places and also learn from different people. And I think, you know, when you get a look at the crew that they were able to bring over there, there's nothing better for cricket than exposing people to more cricket. And so when you talk about USA cricket, um, it gives you another sense of coaching style. It gives you another set of ideas on how to attack the game. And you get to pick the brains of a lot of different people, play at different venues, see how different things come off. And, and I think that's a really important thing. And so I'm really happy to see and are the unicorns out there in Australia getting things done? I think that's a really cool thing to see out of Major League Cricket. This is a big deal. I mean, playing at the MCG, this is this is really awesome. I mean, look, we're talking about professional cricket here, cricketers here, people who make a living playing the game, and and we have those players here in the USA now. We ha- our our cricketers are, are are making a living. Uh, the very best ones are, and now they're traveling to the MCG. This is, I mean, this is huge. This that's pretty awesome to get to play some cricket there against that level of competition. It's it just goes to show. Uh, I think they, they've they've done well too in those, you know, in the the scrimmage that they that I saw that they played. You know, this it's a big deal. I was talking to Adam Crossway about this, who he was the coach of the Seattle Thunderbolts when they won the the minor league championship there, and he came over from Victoria. So I was chatting with him uh, about this, and he was he was pretty impressed with how, with what they've been able to swing. So hopefully we can get somebody from that set up on our on our pod in sometime in the future. Uh, we've had some great guests already. Uh, we, we still we still have uh, Lenny, Andrew Leonard, the aptly named Cricket Badger. We still have him to come. Hopefully we'll get him this coming weekend. Some really exciting stuff there from San Francisco Unicorns. Yeah, no, I agree. And again, I'd love to see this be done just with every team. I think if this could happen across Major League, and again, it is a lot. You know, you got to fly players out. You got to get a place to stay, provide a lot of things. So it's a big ups to Cricket Victoria for doing this because they had to do a lot of work to get them over there. And I think if we can see this, you know, consistently with more and more franchises that uh, participate in Major League Cricket, I think it'd be really good for the players. I think it'd be a great experience for them. And I think it could really do wonders for cricket in the United States. 100%. And and we've got Corey Anderson over there right now uh, playing for the Hobart uh, Hurricanes, I believe. In the BBL, I think they start the season off on Thursday, so we're going to be watching, paying attention at 3 in the morning to see what Corey Anderson is up to, to see if he can keep his fantastic form that he's had this last year, if he can stay hot, that might that might push the selectors here for USA Cricket uh, um, coming, coming up to the World Cup. Well, coming up to the World Cup, you know, we've got plenty of cricketers that are going to be eligible for any cricketers to look at, but Nate, we're supposed to be prepping for the World Cup, right? We're hosting that that soccer, that T20 World Cup coming up in the summer. The prep doesn't seem to be coming the way it was promised in the AGM. Yeah, Srini Salvar said that there would be international games in April and May at the AGM. Or he, he said also they'll solidify their men's team selection sometime in May. 
Cricket World Cup League 2 launching in February. Nepal's Twitter account revealed that, jumping the gun ahead of the ICC's own, own announcement. But in the conversation about this on Twitter, it was said, somebody brought up that uh, USA actually delayed the start of their Cricket World Cup League 2 campaign to, you know, August, I believe late August, maybe September, in order to prep for the World Cup, for the T20 World Cup, which, as you said, we are hosting. But where is that prep right now? We haven't seen any announcements yet of any games. Hopefully we can get some games against, you know, really Canada, Bermuda, any anybody. Put together a major league all-star team. Have them face a USA cricket down in yeah. down in Dallas. You know, I mean, look, it's getting cold down in Dallas now, so you might have to do it down in, over down there in Florida or, or even south of Dallas in Houston. Look, we haven't played a T20 international since December of 2021. You were on commentary. Uh, for that one against Ireland, that miniature series, two games we split. We've obviously got guys putting their hands up. As you said, we have exciting new players becoming eligible soon. Uh, players such as Andres House, who everyone seems to rate around the country as the top batter in the USA. And I think it's I think he makes a great case for it. He's certainly in the top six. But Amon, there is kind of a nasty rumor going around, you know, USA cricket circles that USA cricket won't be selecting ace players for the World Cup, you know, some people have referenced that the proof of this policy is that neither Smith Patel, Shadley Ben Shkalkwake, or Corey Anderson were selected last summer. What do you think about this? I mean, do you think this rumor has any legs? You know, you never know what rumor has legs. And I think I think the argument of, hey, well, we've already seen them not to select these players or put them in the squad when they're probably more than deserving, you know, is probably something that you can consider. It's like, hey, they haven't done that. But on the, on the other side of that coin you would say well it's another format Shadley's a little older of a guy Corey's a little older of a guy do they want to play 50 over cricket is Smith Patel looking to play 50 over cricket um do you really need another wicketkeeper batter you have Shine you have Monung um you know so there, there there's those questions that you can put out there but I, I I think it'd be such a shame if we weren't considering these ace players just because of the fact that these are the guys who are playing T20s most consistently you know, you talk about in this minor league circuit, they play T20s quite often. And as you mentioned, Andres Kels is the best batter for my money in the country. I think that's a pretty fair analysis. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, people like, you know, Anobis Pinar has been really phenomenal throughout the competition. Corey Anderson uh, this season has been really good. You know, there's a lot of really good players who can really make an impact that, you know, you feel, hey, if they were given an opportunity, you want to talk about the guys on the USA team currently – you know, you don't want to see, you know, we, we know a lot of those guys. You don't want to see any of them lose their spot because they've been such, you know, servants to USA cricket. But, you know, I think at some point you got to start putting some fire into some people and you got to select the best 11. And I, I think that our best 11 features a lot of these minor league players. The fact that we haven't had a T20 guy in two years has put everyone in the tough spot. It's put the selectors in a tough spot. It's put the players in a tough spot. We play an awful lot of T20 uh, cricket in this country we probably play more t20 cricket than almost anybody else and so we, we do have domestic tournaments to look at including minor league including major league including the uspl which we just saw Corey's will be playing in the bbl let's see how he does down there we got uh, andres right now playing in the t10 he's been pretty damn damn good in the t10 obviously and also also manok patel uh, playing in the T10, took uh, six uh, dismissals as a wicketkeeper, a man of the match performance uh, while scoring one not out. <laughs> so, you know. hey, he, he was doing the job at the other end. 
he did the job, man. He got three of those were stumping. So tip your hat to him. He deserved it. The two of them in the same team at the same time down over there in the T10 is really pretty cool. I think I, yeah. you know, put them in the same team in in USA. But it's the fact that we haven't had these games puts everyone in a tough spot. It it, it puts the how are the selectors supposed to take te- people out of the team and, and justify it? You know, it's 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 a tricky position. I don't think these rumors have really have a lot behind them honestly i think especially if you just leave it to the selectors i don't think that the selectors give a crap how someone got here are they eligible aren't they eligible are they the best players we can put on the field do they gel with the rest of the team do they care do they want to be there are they fit all of these things have to you have to take into consideration where we heard also at the agm that there's going to be an emphasis on fitness so we're talking about you know potentially having some fitness uh minimums here for the players and that's something I think the players should be more worried about than whether or not a player from ace is nipping at their heels right now obviously I want the best players on the team but you don't even have to go to the ace players quote-unquote ace players to find you know some of the best cricketers that aren't on the team that should be you ask Nosh. me yeah Nosh is a top five cricketer in the USA you know no doubt about hands it. down he and he's proven himself over the last couple of years to be a, a clutch performer and he's going to find a way to make an impact in the game. We saw that in Major League Cricket. He made an impact in every game he was in, whether he bowled a single ball or not. He makes a difference in the teams. So I don't really see a lot to these to these rumors. I don't really believe that, that that's going to that that's going to happen. I think a lot of people are worried. And if you go back, a lot of people are using this this the fact that Smith, Shadley, and Corey weren't selected. But let's look at this for a second. As you said, Smith. He's a wicket keeper. Your captain is a wicket keeper. There's no reason to, no reason to take Monalk out of the team. There's no reason to take uh, his backup, Jahangir, who's now worked his way into the starting team, if as far as I can see it, uh, with the ODI squad. Now we're talking two different formats because we don't have any T20s to read you back on. So whenever you talk about team selection, you, you almost always have to go back and talk about ODI. It gets really convoluted really fast because we don't have T20 internationals. And this is the format that's supposed to spread the game of cricket. We, we're seeing a time right now that's that should should excite us. We've got a we've got a World Cup here in the USA. We have more teams than ever in a T20 World Cup. Uganda made the World Cup. Nepal made the World Cup. Yeah. This is so exciting. What this should be is you know the next step, and we are right in the center of this right now. And we need some T20 internationals to prep us for this. Um, it's a question of when these internationals are here. I think Andres House is available. It, it becomes eligible in March or April. In the AGM, Srini said uh, April was when they were looking at doing these uh, these T20Is. It's worth talking about the selection process and how it works. The selection sure. process for for USA cr- cricket is the cricket committee submits a list of the qualified players to the selectors, and then the selectors choose the team. The cricket committee decides who's eligible. Smith, as we said, he's a wicketkeeper. Shadley. He needed a big exception to be put in the USA team last year. He needed it because he was out outside of that the 30 months and three years that you have to be in the USA, you know, the 10 months a year. He was outside of that because he got stuck in South Africa for some time due to COVID travel restrictions. Now, he would have needed an exception for that. Corey would have needed an exception. The ICC doesn't want to make a habit of their practices is to not approve a ton of these exception requests. Do you really want to use up all of them right now um, with the ICC? You know, from what I've heard in practice, they don't approve these very often, maybe every couple of years. So we don't want to make a habit of, of requesting these 
these exceptions. I think that we can't base what the selectors are going to do in the future based on what happened, you know, in, in 50 overs cricket in the qualifiers. We haven't seen truly eligible ace players available yet. Yeah. Even even Smith Patel is not technically an ace player. He was already here. You know, he was already in the USA. I, I think people need to calm down. Players need to calm down, not think about this, and just play your best cricket right now. So try to force yourself into the conversation as best you can. We got the national championships coming up, and we talked before about distribution of the zones. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about this this distribution of zones because – you know, breaking up the Atlantic and the in the Northeast and the East, like like they have. I, I, when I look around at the top hundred or so players in minor league cricket, I don't see a justification for those that many zones in that area. So to me, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, agree. I mean, like we've seen a massive migration almost to Dallas for a lot of like the the Texas area for a lot of these cricketers. You see them in Houston and Dallas. In the Northeast, there's a couple of really good spots. There's a couple of really good players. That you're like, okay, that they'll be in the top 100. They could be competing for a spot. But, yeah, I, I'd agree with you to where I don't know if you need, you know, three teams up on that side where you split the Mid-Atlantic in half to get yourself three on the Northeast, basically. Basically, Virginia up has three zones. I don't think that's truly justified. Uh, where I think would be more beneficial would be down in Texas. Hey, let's split up Texas. Or, you yeah. know, in California, let's split up that. I think that would be a little bit more beneficial. Even the South could use it. Like you said, I think players can need to control. They can control. Nosh is in the conversation because he control what he could control. He could yeah. control the fact that they he was not on a T20 team in like four or five years. He couldn't control that. What he did was in major league, he's played his best brand of cricket. In minor league, played his best brand of cricket. And now everyone who's talking about USA cricket is saying Nosh Kenjagay has to be on the squad. And I don't. And I think that the selectors are gonna know that we need to put our best team forward. I don't think there's any uh, doubts about that. Especially like you mentioned, this is a true World Cup of the sense of the most minor teams we've seen in a long time, featuring you know countries like Uganda in this World Cup. We've seen them Bermuda in the World Cup. You know, this is an opportunity for a lot of these associations to put your hand up, go and win a game, go play a game tough, uh, do what Netherlands you know kind of did it, put the world on notice. Hey, these guys are a little bit better than we thought. They you know they, maybe we need to start putting them in more of these tournaments and considering playing them more often. This World Cup will go a long way into how the USA gets seen on an international scale, in my opinion, in terms of who they play. You know, if we are able to compete with these teams, then now the West Indies is probably going to want to play a series with us. You know, now uh, we're going to get some of these other nations. Ireland are going to want to come back and play a series, or we'll go to Ireland and play a series. We'll go to these other countries and play more series. I, I truly believe that if we were able to put a couple of games together, a couple of good performances, it would go a long way for the exposure USA cricket gets. And I think the selectors know that, and I think they're going to do the right thing and select the best guys. Yeah, USA cricket has always chosen whoever's eligible by ICC standards. That's that's who they've determined is eligible by USA standards. And, uh, you know, I don't see them changing that. The, there are rumors out there that some board members are not happy with the with ace players and they have an ideological bone to pick. Um, but you you got to think that the entire... USA cricket committee, cricket committee is is not going to be in in line with with one or two people's ideology there. So yeah, we'll we'll see. And and you know the fact that people are talking about this and listening to people talking about this like we are now, you know I think that that matters a little bit uh, as far as the team team selection goes. Srini Salver also said USA cricket will be forming fourteen hubs for the men's pathway program leading up to the men's nationals. Now this is an interesting thing to me. 
first of all, the we talked about the problematic division of the zones, how it might exclude some of our best cricketers based on the fact that they might be the sixth best cricketer in the country, but they're the third best in their role in their zone, and so they're not even getting in the team, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but now we have these 14 hubs leading up to that, that, and this just reinforces we're going into a World Cup. We haven't had games. And the pathway to the men's program right now, it seems to be focused very much on discovery of players. Now, at this point, we're a half a year away from a World Cup, right? I think after three years of minor league cricket and a year of major league cricket and all the tournaments we have around the calendar, nobody's falling through the cracks right now. Do we need to have 14 hubs? I mean, yeah, okay, on a long term, this is great. Okay, so I'm not going to criticize it long term. So, but but right now, is this the right time to do this? When really, honestly, we don't even need a men's nationals with zones, zonal teams. I think most people could get together. And if you're going to have the zonal nationals, you got to have a team uh, of Colts, you know, like the U19 did in 2021, where you pick the best, the best players who who, yeah, best of the rest, who didn't make make it into the zones. But right now, having this pathway set up that looks very much designed for player discovery seems to be the wrong priorities uh, at this particular point. We should be honing down our, our top four teams uh, of eligible players and just have them play against each other a bunch of times. And, and, and that's maybe that's how you select the team. Get the four best groups of guys together. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see it in both ways in the sense of what USA Cricket is trying to do. They're trying to establish something, right? They're trying to say, okay, let's bring these back. Let's establish how we're going to find talent. And this seems like a four-year process, right, to where when the next World Cup, World Cup rolls around, we'll have that talent established and we'll be ready to roll with that. This needed to be done four years ago because we knew this was the World Cup that everyone was eyeing. You know, we were rumors that we were going to host it. We knew we were going to host it for about two years now. Uh, this was the World Cup we needed to eye this for. And so, yes, as USA Cricket right, and yes, this is the long-term goal, yes, we should have these uh, development hubs and be looking and eyeing talent, trying to spread talent um, across the country. Absolutely agree with that. We're a little late on that. This needed to be done in 2020. And then, you know, COVID happened, so 2021, uh, that should, you know, 2021, 2022 is when this ideally should have started and kicked off into 2024. Better late than never, but you're also right in the sense of we have a World Cup coming in here six months, nay, it's December. Like we're knocking on the door of 2024 here. There's a T20 World Cup coming in six months, and we're talking about development. We're not talking about here are our best, you know, 50 guys. Let's go put them together. Let's go put them out there. Let them play in a four team series and see what we have to work with. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, hey, let's go and try to find our best 100 to 150 guys that we can narrow down and you're you're trying to do what a four-year process or three-year process should have been you're doing that now in six months that's where you kind of you know fumbled the bag in that, in that regard. yeah it just seems like to me that you know i have they paid attention to minor league cricket <laughs> the people that, yeah. that that are i mean yes this this should be done should be done at some point right i think at this point now you almost say let's let's do that next year you know, like, let's get the selectors, believe me, they've got to have a good li good list of players that they want to see. Let's move on to, to the next topic. And this one's really, really kind of cool. This one just popped up today. So this was when I saw this on, on Twitter slash X, I was, I was stoked because we could talk about it. Yeah, Kamal Leverock, the nephew of Dwayne Leverock, recently tweeted frustrations that he's not involved in more T20 tournaments. This caused a well-deserved flurry of support on Twitter or X. 
of fans and cricket media in the know who shared Kamal's frustration. This is what Kamal tweeted. I find it disheartening how no matter what I do playing international cricket, I can't get a gig in any tournaments. Not even a look. What more do I need to do? I honestly don't get it. And he went to go on in, in the later replies saying, you know, this has dragged him down to the point where he's even considered not playing cricket anymore. And uh, that's a terrible, terrible shame. But we've both seen plenty of Kamau. You, you can't miss him when, when, you, when you're in this region and you follow associate cricket. You follow inter international associate cricket. So, man, what a bummer there. Kamau, he's, he's fantastic. I mean, he's electric in the field. He feels sort of like a notch can Jay. And I mean, he can affect the game in three phases. Um, really good with the bat, with the ball in hand. But from that, you know, a right arm medium pacer who can come in and bat towards the end, strikes around 150. I mean, that that's kind of what you're looking for, right? Your T20 has that third pacer, mixes it up well, can bowl in different situations. And it is disheartening to see that from him uh, that I don't blame him for being disheartened. You know, it, it sucks. This is kind of as we move into franchise culture, right? We're supposed to be, hey, we are making cricket more accessible and, you know, um, trying to get more and more people involved from different parts of the globe. It doesn't matter what country you're from, you're going to get a look. That's just kind of not how it how it runs. Um, and that, you know, that's kind of the truth of the matter. If you're an associate country or even a lower level full member, you have to hope that there is a tournament in your region where you're domestic, or you'll qualify there, and then you can play. And then you can get looked at overseas. You know, that's what's happening with Ashkenjige, with Mohamed Mosin. You know, they they performed at Major League, and now they're getting looks, you know, for the ILT 20. For Kamal, he's in the tough spot where Bermuda doesn't have one of these tournaments. And as long as they don't have one, it's going to be really hard for him to get a look anywhere else because, yeah, we can we can go look at you, Kamal, who is really good right now at 29 years old in Bermuda and has been good for a very long time, or we can go with the 25-year-old South African who we know is going to play pretty consistently and is a full member and is going to have access to the best facilities and we can groom it. Or even the 30-year-old who we know has been in the system and has played against some maybe better talent. It puts both parties in a tough spot. As you know, these teams, you're looking to see who's played the best competition. So you're going to look at the full members. But as people who watch associate cricket, you know the associate cricketers who can play. And I was one of them. You're trying to feed yourself and your family and make a life for yourself. You know, when you when you play in an associate country, you're trying to get picked up in tournament. These tournaments would be a big deal for him, money wise, ex exposure wise, and you know, it's just hard to see if that happens. It's young man. I said before this this year's World Cup, unprecedented number of teams. You know, a lot of teams in this year's World T20 World Cup. You look at probably eight of these teams in the T20 World Cup. He's walking into the playing eleven. You know, it's it's crazy. There are. So many good teams out there that would love to have a guy like him filling the role that he fills. Uh, I think the USA would take him to be USA honest with you. He would walk into the right if he was an American coming becoming eligible this year. We would have already spent ten minutes talking about him. You know, <laughs> him, Andres Nosh. <laughs> you know, coming into the team or something like that. But yeah, Kamau. He's he's an incredibly talented player. He's he's an impact player in in all three areas of the game. I don't like that he's not involved in more. And and Peter pointed out he's not involved in American leagues. Why isn't he in the USPL, for example? Yeah, I, I agree with that. We talked about how the USPL raised the bar. Hey, let's get some more of these associates in. You know, we got the Canadians now in minor league cricket. Is this something that minor league cricket can look at and say, okay, look, we got the wild card player who could be anybody in the world. 
should we go ahead and, and do a associate member overseas on every team if you want one, right? That would be a great step. I can't tell you how many owners in minor league cricket I've talked to where I've said, if you need an overseas player, he, to me, he's perfect for, for minor league because every team wants their, their wildcard player to bowl and bat, and they want them to do it at a high level. Every single minor league team, you know this, when you look at the wild cards, unless it's a fantastic team that just needs a, a, a role player, like uh, Ruben Reyes, for example, unless it's a, a fantastic team that just needs a really good role player, you're going to get it. You need an all-rounder in that slot. So he's perfect to me for, for this. Somebody needs to go out there and recruit him. I'd love to see minor league change, make the rule that, that these teams can include an associate member overseas in the playing 11. That would be a great step forward. I think for minor league would raise would raise the talent level in minor league, which is something we could always use. Andrew Nixon made a good point too. He said, uh, despite claims from some that franchise T20 will help democratize cricket, the bias against associate players remains entrenched. Mediocre Australians and South Africans are still more likely to get franchise gigs than superior associate players. This is true, and, and here's where it was well illustrated this summer. Um, in fact, last, last March or so at the Major League Cricket Draft, okay? So we, we know that the USA team was abroad during the, during the training camp. So the, none of the USA players got to make it to the combine. If it hadn't been for J. Aaron Kumar as a member of that MI New York's uh, coaching squad would Nosh have even been picked. That was probably one of the times during the draft where I, I, I that was the time I was the most excited because he yep. couldn't make it to the combine. We all know he deserves to be on a major league team. He deserved to go in the first few rounds, right? He gets drafted by that MI New York team. I can't say with 100% certainty that the other teams would have taken him because yep. he wasn't at the combine and he wasn't in front of those scouts. And we know cricket scouting in general is light years behind other sports and uh they're only going to trust their own eyes that reinforces andrew's point you know unless you play for a full member you know you don't have much many chances unless like you said unless your nation has happens to have a high-end franchise t20 league it goes back to how you know the eyes can you get eyes on certain events and you know you don't get to see a lot of you know, bermudian cricket um bermuda cricket just doesn't it's not played on a very high production scale in terms of the broadcast quality, right? You're talking about a couple camera streams with the mic over it, and it looks great. I mean, the Cricket Club's guys can put together a fantastic production, and when Lenny's calling those games, it's fantastic. Um, but there, you're not seeing the 27 cameras of Major League Cricket or of an India-Australia T20 series that we just saw. You're, you're not seeing that. And, you know, again, that comes from money. That comes from, you know, the priority list of Associated Cricket. And... You know, like you said, if the scouts aren't seeing in front of them, they're not going to care. If they don't see it on a high-quality broadcast, it doesn't seem like they care either because the only games that these scouts would have seen the USA on really on a high-quality broadcast in terms of, you know, uh, full-member standards would have been the qualifying that the USA didn't really play too well. And, um, you know, I think that's another big thing is that, you know, if you can get better broadcast quality around these tournaments and these games, you get them in front of more eyes, in front of more people, and um, you know it, it gives you an opportunity as an associate member to say, hey, look, I performed really well. Look at how what I did in front of 27 cameras, you know, and for better or for worse, that's kind of the way it is. And, you know, that's not entirely fair to someone, you know, like Kamal, but kind of that's the way it is. And like you mentioned, we're, we're a little bit behind in that regard in terms of our scouting in the cricketing world. And I'd love to see more tournaments start to include, say, hey, you get you – 
you either get to put an associate member or you get an extra overseas, but it has to be an associate. I think that'd be a really cool aspect to a lot of tournaments because, again, as we start to try to spread cricket, I think it's a great way to do that. And I think, again, this World Cup has a real opportunity to do that for tournaments because the guys that come out, they're going to be on the world's biggest stage. Um, you know, you're know, you going to get a lot of these just cricketers on the world's biggest stage. And if enough people impress, you're going to start seeing these owners say, hey, we want to take a look at this guy. But like you said, they're more likely to go with a full member guy. So then they start lobbying their leagues. Hey, let us put an associate player. In. Let us create, you know, give us a fourth overseas. Let us put an associate member. And now, you know, I, I think this World Cup is a real opportunity to do that and really do what franchise cricket has, or what people think franchise cricket can do in terms of spreading the game and making it a little bit more inclusive for all parties around the world. Well, yeah, I, I think franchise cricket has more potential to be democratized um, than than international. and But I think it's falling well short. And for many of the same reasons that international falls short, because of the people calling the shots in both of these things don't really care. It, it all comes back to international cricket not wanting to expose itself to uh, meritocratic situations to jeopardy so you you don't have these full members playing against associate members in t20 international leagues there, there's no mandatory leagues for for these for these sports and so when you don't have that what's going to happen inevitably is everyone's only going to try to schedule the most lucrative things they can they're going to exploit the heck out of out of everything they, they can for for money and it doesn't make you any money to play uh, Bermuda, right? But we need, if we want to grow the game, if we want to grow opportunities for cricketers, these full members need to be held to, they have to play against these teams. Because like you said, if Kamau is out there scorching Canada, it's one thing. If he scores 50 off 35 against Pakistan or India or South Africa or something like that, that's a whole nother ball game all of a sudden now he's in the he's in the uh conversation uh Daliri from netherlands he's all over the place now he's in every league because he performs against against high level full members but when the full members don't ever have to play the associates you're going to get kamal leverock situations where you've got a tremendous player outside of um, outside of the lucrative aspects of the game yeah no i agree um i think that again you get them in front of more eyes and you know, that's why you don't see, like, when Ireland agreed to come play the USA, it was like, holy smokes, you know, like, we're playing a full member. This doesn't happen. And like you mentioned, you don't want to put uh, yourself in jeopardy. And, you know, we don't see that quite often. You're going to play teams that, you know, if you were to lose, okay, it's not the end of the world, right? Um, and also, you're going to play teams where you can make money. Um, associate cricket just doesn't have either of those two yet. And again, I think the more we see franchise cricket, especially with what it do is doing in the United States, infrastructure is getting better broadcast quality is getting better as a byproduct so you know if you can spread those little habits around the world um it starts to increase the product starts to make everything look better and then full members will start to want to come over but i think the biggest thing is going to be franchise cook is going to have to start the mold of getting these associate players in there and again i think that if in this world cup if you see a like guy like come out stand out if you see a guy like nosh stand out if you see a couple more of these guys, you know, a couple of the guys from the Netherlands stand out. Now you're talking about, you know, if you see, you know, Nepal and just that entire roster, that entire 11, any one of them could have an entire great day. If you see those individuals start to stand out, now they're going to be looked at in leagues. These owners are going to say, well, I don't want to use my full overseas spot, but this, these people have, you know, pull that people want to see them. I think it opens the door for that amateur, uh, that uh, associate member slot in 
every T20. Yeah, that's why this World Cup is so good. Let's hope that it's just one step forward before another step forward instead of one step forward before two steps backwards, which we see so often in cricket, unfortunately. Let's hope that this is a step, the gateway to bigger and better things. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed. And if we can get Lenny on the show, Andrew Leonard on the show in the, in the coming weeks, we can talk more about this uh, hopeful future that cricket has thanks to this upcoming T20 uh, World Cup here in the USA. So, uh, Amin, it's uh, it's time to wrap things up. I know you got places to go and uh, people to see. Thanks for joining me again tonight, man. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Nate. And like we said, let's hope we get Lenny next week and let's hope for associate cricket to find its way up the ladder in the World Series.